0: Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in six different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church or how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I want to begin by saying something because todays you're going to laugh, you're going to cry. And it can be a bit heavy. So I want to start off by saying to everyone, aren't we grateful for the grace of God? Okay. How many of you made mistakes when you were young and stupid? How many of you were old and stupid? Okay. okay. So, so you know what? The grace of God does two things. Sometimes the grace of God, because you obey it and surrender to it, it keeps you from doing things you would have done and could have done and should have done because everybody around you was doing those things, but God's grace kept you from that. Let's clap for that grace, okay? But there's a second grace, and that's the grace that you didn't cooperate with the grace of God and the voice of the Holy Spirit, and so you went out and did some things you shouldn't have done, and, and you, you, you broke God's commandments, your heart, and other people's hearts in the process. And what I am so amazingly thankful about God is, is this one truth I just can't ever shake. There's things about me I don't want anybody to ever know. I don't want Michelle to ever know. Maybe it hadn't happened in a long time. I'm just going to get that out of the way. We, we get home going, what are you talking about? Okay. There is. But, but I want to tell you this. I'm grateful that God knows and that he's still the one that loves me the most even though he knows the worst about me. And I'm grateful that the grace of God finds you And God is the only person who can take broken things, regardless of when you bring them to him, when you're 14, 44 or 74, and you bring them to him and he can make it like it was never broken before, like it's brand new. He's the only one that can do that because he's the one that made you. He's the only one that takes broken things and makes them better than before they were even created because he knows what we created to be. So I want you to understand that if you're here today and you've been divorced, if you're here today and you've been unfaithful, if you're here today and you've been married 15 times, first of all, if you've been married 15 times, I want to meet you. <laughs> okay, but if you've been married multiple times, then, then I, the grace of God forgives you and it meets you right where you are to start with a new beginning. And I don't know, I don't know if you all know this, but like I have a ministry of marrying people. Let me just say that one more time. I have a ministry of marrying people. Like I have a radar, a heat seeking radar for people living together or sleeping together that aren't married. And like, I mean, so I went, uh, I went hunting about six weeks ago um, with Lovi, who's usually right up here, owns Christian Brothers, my bodyguard. You're my bodyguard today. You are my bodyguard, right? You're packing. Good. I can say the truth and you got me. Thank you. All right. And, and so Lovie and I, along with Nate Carmichael, went up to uh, uh, South, South Dakota, and, and we, went, we went hunting. And so we got up there about six weeks ago, and we get there, and first of all, it looks like Antarctica. And uh, so we get to this beautiful lodge, and we're greeted at the door by a beautiful young lady, and she's holding probably a three- or four-month-old baby, and like, hi, how are you? She goes, hi, um... Um J.R. will be here in a minute to, to meet you. And oh, great. So they show us around and everything. And um, so J.R. comes up and I say, hey, J. but we met your wife. She goes, well, she's not my wife. Well, is that your baby? He goes, yeah. I said, but we're just, we're just living together. <laughs> now, when I meet people living together, I ask them two questions. It's the same two questions every time. Here's the questions. Number one, are you ashamed to give her your last name? Or do you just not want the blessings of God on your life? Which one is it? And he goes, well, um, look at her. She looks at the baby. She's... He goes, well, she keeps saying she'd marry me any day at any country courthouse. She just wants to marry me. I said, then that's why I'm here. At that point, I stopped hunting geese. And the next day, 24 hours later, in front of the fireplace, I really should have brought the picture. I married them right there. But two years ago, I was hunting in North Dakota. And I'm laying out in the field, and it's cold, and you know you're laying up they call them coffin blinds they're not coffins they're just blinds and we're just laying down like this and, and, and while I'm doing that I, I look talking to the guy right next to me a really neat guy and I said well uh, are you married he goes no me and my girlfriend have been living together for two years and I went <laughs> so I asked him two questions question number one are you ashamed to give, her your, name? Are you ashamed to give her your last name or question number two do you not want the blessings of God in your life? He goes, neither. And we've been going to a church where a pastor talks just like you. (laughs) I said, well, good. Then I'll marry you anytime, any place. You got a free preacher and a free church. Three months later, I flew to Philadelphia and married him. (laughs) Which brings me to yesterday morning, Saturday at nine o'clock in the morning. So uh, when I went six weeks ago to go hunting, right before that, I went to get some stuff done to one of my shotguns and, and uh, the guy who repairs the guns, his name is John. And so I so said, John, girl comes in. I said, John, is this your wife? He goes, oh no, we're not married. We've just been together for two years. <laughs> so I said, really? Well, let me ask you a question. Are you ashamed to give her your last name, or do you not want the blessings of God on your life? He goes, neither. And I married him right here. I've never done a wedding at 9 o'clock in the morning, but yesterday morning at 9 o'clock in the morning on Saturday, right here, I married John. Well, why are you saying all of this? Because your marriage is the most important thing about you that is not named Jesus living in your heart. Your future, your financial future, your children's future, your grandchildren's future, and your great-grandchildren's future are all hinging upon you making the right decision now, wherever the grace of God finds you. As a matter of fact, there's three indicators that will ensure you will not live in poverty. 95% true. Every time. Here it is. Number one that you don't have a child when you're in high school, number two, that you graduate from high school, and number three, that you get married and stay married. Those three things ensure that you won't live in poverty and your children will live in poverty. Why is it that way? Because that's the way that God designed us. Is this okay? Now, I might get a little heavy in a little bit, so I want to share something with you that's kind of funny. Can I do that? Ladies, I'm going to ask the ladies... Ladies, can can I share something with you that's kind of funny? Okay, say, look at me and go, I won't be mad at you, Pastor. Okay, hold it. That wasn't enough. I've asked Michelle, and she said it like that, and she know I got to hear boldly. Come on, I won't be mad at you, Pastor. Okay, well, good. Then I'm going to tell you a story, true story. All right, I don't know if you know this, but there is a husband mall like a mall that you can go to and get husbands. (laughs) Did you know that? So, you know, the largest mall in Louisiana is the Mall of Louisiana in Baton Rouge, but there is a husband mall. And one day, one of the ladies in the single women's group at a church said, ladies, I just found on the internet, I just found on the internet the husband mall. And next Saturday, I want y'all to get, I want y'all to exercise all week long. I want you to get your spanks on. I want you to put your babe on. I want you to get all ready because we're going to go to the husband mall next Saturday. I'm written a large people mover and we're going to go. We all going to get us a husband. Man, the women's group was excited. All the single women piled up on Saturday morning in this people mover. And man, they drove in, pulled right up to the husband mall. To get into the husband mall, you had to go into an elevator, and in the elevator there was three floors. So they all are all ready, they all got got their babe on, they just <coughs> the doors open, and there they are, every man, every shape and size and color you ever imagined. All tall, dark, and Mexican and other colors, all in that mall, bowed up, swole, strong, kind of looked like a cross between me and Pastor Chris Reese. (laughs) Okay, more like Pastor Chris Reese. And, And a big sign said, Christian husbands, boom every woman ran out of there they started grabbing men men that like women like short men had a short man in a headlock was dragging him back women i mean people were just pulling people in they were they were so these ladies were so excited the lady that put together the trip said wait a minute lady, well, ladies stop there's three floors this is just the first floor if the first floor is all these good-looking christian men what are you think gonna be on the second floor So she finally beat all the men off and got the women back in the elevator and they went to the second floor and the door opened and man, the men were better looking. And it said, Christian men with high paying jobs that love children. (laughs) Woo, man, they ran out. One woman grabbed two men. I mean, she was so excited. She was pulling them in. and, And then the lady who headed up the trip said, stop, 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 stop. Listen, this is just the second floor. There's three floors. The first floor was Christian men. The second floor was with that. What do you imagine was going to be on the third floor? So reluctantly, the last lady let go of two of the men she had. And they pulled her back in and got everybody back in the elevator. And they went up on the third floor and the door opened up and there was no men (laughs) at all. But there was a big sign that goes, this goes to show you, no matter what you give some women, they'll never be satisfied. Go back to the first floor. (laughs) Now you said you wouldn't be mad at me. I officiated a wedding here yesterday morning but the first wedding was officiated by God. So let's peek in and see how it went in Genesis chapter two. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for a man to be, I'll make a helper for him. That's just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground, the wild beast, the birds of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one of them. And he gave all the livestock and all the birds of the sky and all the wild animals. But still there was no helper found just right for him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon him. And in this deep sleep, while the man slept, the Lord took one of the man's ribs, the place closest to his heart. Remember that, ladies, as long as you stay close to your husband's heart you will always have his ear. But if you try to speak to his head and tell him what to do, you will lose his heart. You will lose his heart. Just a little nugget along the way. And then the Lord closed up the openings. And the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought him to the man. And the man said, At last, the man exclaimed, This is one who is bone of my bone and flesh of my... She will be called because she was taken out of a man. This explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Now, I want you to think just a moment about all the meaningless things that we know, that we have memorized. How many of you are walking sports fact, machine, Okay how many of you know all kinds of science things how many jeopardy people do we have here raise your hand okay how many of you know a plethora of songs that don't matter you put your right foot in you put your right foot out you do the and you t- why do we all know that I mean, well, why do we know all of these, like, it's science, E equals MC squared. I mean, well, when is the last time you ever needed that? And the dumb rap, rap songs. how you like me now, gold teeth in a smile, trying to take me out the ghetto, but I'm still, bunk, blah. I mean, how do I even know that song? Like, how do you know stuff like that? I, I, Michelle and I were driving to uh, Birmingham. We went to a pastor's conference with a couple of thousand pastors and and she said do you remember that poem you taught the boys when they were growing up you think they still remember it and I said oh of course they do I hadn't thought about it I don't know maybe in a, I a decade at least one dark night the light shone bright two dead men rose up to fight back to back they faced each other drew their knives and shot each other one deaf policeman heard the noise and came and shot the two dead boys if you don't believe this story is true ask the blind man he saw it too Okay, like, how, why do I even know that? Think of all the things that you know about that you could get a degree in. Some of you worked, went to college, high school, college, and got a degree in something you don't even do. I have a degree in two things. Knowing God and knowing Michelle Marie Aranza. Let me tell you, that's why that's significant, because one determines whether I go to heaven later, and the other determines whether I'll have heaven here in my home while I'm here. Oh, I know, I know. We'll be sitting down, having coffee in the morning, she'll go like this, and I'll jump up and get coffee, and the kids will go, how do you know? I I know the look. I mean, when she looks down at the cup and it's you know down this much, I know what that means. So I just get up and do it, and so it's so funny. She'll cook and she'll she'll put everything out, and I will look down. She goes, "What is it? What? Oh, baby, no, no. I can tell by the look. What is it? You didn't bring the Tonys. All right, I'll bring the Tonys. We just know. Well, we have a degree in knowing each other. And can I tell you this? It doesn't hang on the wall but it hangs on the wall of my heart and it guides me every waking moment of my life. That's the kind of degree that we need. Do you remember when you fell in love? How many remember when you fell in love? Okay. A lot of dementia in the house. Okay. Love dementia. Okay. Do, you, do you remember, how many of you remember when there were Landlines. Some of you young people don't know what that is, all right? Hey, do, do you remember when you'd just stretch the cord like as far as you could? Okay. And, and, and there, was, there was a landline. How many of you, when, when you were in love, you know the actual scientific facts are that when you were in love, a chemical's released in the back of your brain like you're on crack cocaine. It's true. It's true. That's called eros love it's where we get the word erotic. That's all of these emotions and all of these feelings and all of the And I love you and I miss you. And I tell you how much I love you. And I love you more. No, I love you most. No, infinity. I love you. Just all those dumb things. Do Do you remember that? How many of you ever fell asleep talking to someone on a landline? Of course you did. Did you remember when you were in love? Literally, you could be working seven and seven. You're up a 24-hour shift. You drive three hours just to spend 35 minutes with her and turn around and then go back. Why would you do it? Because this chemical was released in the back of your brain, and it was like you were on drugs until you got married and got sober. Marriage will sober you up quicker than in a halfway house <laughs> and a detox treatment center. <laughs> Go ahead and clap; you know that's true. <laughs> so that wears off. That wears off. That, that that wears off. I remember the things that I promised Michelle. Michelle made Michelle promise me. I said, "Promise me I'll never see you without makeup." True story. True story. Promise me you'll always lay out my clothes. Ladies, I know. Go ahead. Hate me. Judge me. (laughs) Go ahead. That was a long time ago. I mean, I I remember all of, promise me you'll always wear size one jeans. She lied. She wears a two now. I remember all of the things that when, you, when you're young and in love that you, does anybody remember those? Yes. But I can tell you marriage will sober you up quicker than a halfway house and a detox treatment center. It will. So let me start from the very beginning because until you start at the beginning, things don't make sense. What is the purpose of marriage? What is the purpose of marriage? God said it's not good for a man to be alone. So part of it is the fact that we are alone. If you've heard me do a wedding, I say if you hyphenated that, it means all one. And so God separated man, and he took the part that is tender and gentle and pretty, and he put it in the woman, and he put the rest in us. We got the leftovers. And, and, and until we are one together, then there is an element of, of loneliness in us. So that is part of it. But if you marry somebody because you're lonely, you marry them for the wrong reason. Because the only thing worse than being lonely and alone is being married and sleeping right next to somebody that you are estranged from, and you're this far apart, but it seems like you're on the other side of the ocean from them. You know why you're so quiet? Because we all know. We all know. So what is the purpose of marriage? Why did God create marriage? Look at me, because you got to get this. If you're single, you better get this right now. Because the purpose of marriage is that God loved Michelle so much that God gave her to me. Who gave her to me? you got to start right there. Because if you don't believe that God brought your mate to you, then in your mind, you made the decision. If you made the decision, you could have made a mistake. And that means when things get difficult, this is a mistake. I was driving one of my children to the airport in New Orleans once when they were flying back out of town and they looked at me and they said, dad, I want to ask you a question. I said, okay. They said, do you think mama is the most beautiful woman in the world? Baby, can I say what I said? (laughs) Okay, I'm speaking on how to fight fair next week. (laughs) And he was waiting. I paused like that and I said, No. He said, You don't? I said, No. I think she's the most beautiful woman in the world to me. God didn't make her. There's seven billion people on earth. He only made her for one Mexican from Houston. Just for me. Can I tell you why that's so significant? Look right here. Because when temptation comes, and it will come, and it does come, and when it comes, you can turn and go, God, thank you that you gave me exactly what I need. Exactly what I need. One of our children was incredibly difficult growing up, and Michelle would say, babe, we need to send this child to boarding school. We need to send this child to military school. And I would say, no, we don't need to send Christian to military school. (laughs) (laughs) Then he graduated and joined the military. And here's what I said to her. If God gave this child to us, then God will give us what we need to raise this child the way he wants us to. That's not a mistake, just like my partner that God gave me is not a mistake. That has to be the first premise. God gave me my mate as a gift. My mate is a gift from God to me. Say that with me. My mate is a gift from God a. me. You don't change a gift. A gift changes you. A gift changes you. And so when I understand that God gave Michelle to me so that God could show her how much he loved her through me, the reality is marriage is not choosing who you will get from for the rest of your life, but who you will choose to give your life to for the rest of your life. Who you give yourself to. So now I want to give you four principles that we've discovered from God's word in 41 years and 103 days that will help you build a marriage and a love that will last a lifetime. Number one, play together. Say that with me. Play together. Play together. Fun. Life is too serious and sometimes too hard not to enjoy laughing with your mate and behind their back, laughing at them. <laughs> Just laughing with them. God gave us to each other for fun. That's your boyfriend and your girlfriend forever. You play with everyone that you enjoy. Your real BFF is not the girl you graduated from kindergarten with or the guy that you like playing golf with. Your real BFF is the mate that God gave you to spend the rest of your life with. Play makes emotional deposits into your account. We call that emoting. Michelle and I do this every morning. We, even when, when, when the children were younger, we'd get them off to school. We'd come back, and we'd have coffee with each other. What are you doing? What are you going to do today? Why do you do that? Okay, I'll beat him when he gets home. Okay, I didn't mean that. Why did you say that? I don't know. I, and what we do, is get everything out, and we clear off the table. Do you know why? Because if you don't, children, life, bills, work, we'll throw all kinds of stuff on the table until you're not dealing with that. It's dealing with you. having coffee every morning. It may not be coffee. It didn't. There has to be that time where you emotionally connect. God made you to be one and that emotional connection is the first part of it. We all gravitate to fun and pleasure from pain and problems. And if all you represent to your mate is pain and problems, don't be satisfied. Don't, don't, don't be surprised if they're not satisfied being in a friendship with you because you're bringing up constantly the problems. It doesn't mean they won't be there. Let me share something with you. I haven't said this in any of the services. I've been married 41 years and 103 days today. Do you know how many times I've been successful in changing Michelle? Baby, I can't believe they said that about you. I'm sorry. Zero. Do you know how many times she's been successful in changing me? when I do my part when I do my part and react in a Christ-like spirit it paves the way for the Holy Spirit to change her. It paves the way for the Holy Spirit to change me. I can't make it happen but I can sure hinder it from happening. We all gravitate to fun and pleasure away from pain and problems. Proverbs seventeen twenty two says this a joyful cheerful heart brings healing to what that's why we like when you laugh and you do i mean you get your friends you're laughing you're cutting up it's healing to you but the one whose heart is crushed what with sickness and depression the amplified version says it like this a happy heart is a good medicine and a joyful mind causes healing but a broken spirit does what does your marriage need some medicine? Does it need some medicine? Life will make you cry together whether you want to or not. Make sure that you plan on laughing together. Number two, play together. Number two, lay together. Say it with me, lay together. Great relationships have passion in them. And we all love that when it's directed towards us. And it's positive. We all hate it when it turns dark and turns against us and it's negative. Ephesians 4, 26 says, and don't let the passion of your emotions lead you to sin and don't let anger, what control you or be fuel for revenge, not even for a day. Revenge will destroy your relationship. I can't tell you how many people that I've counseled in the, almost the last 49 to 50 years who their mate cheated on them and they were so bitter and angry that their mate cheated on them and they cheated on their mate to try to think they were going to get even with them and all they did was create two broken hearts and two holes for both of them to dig out of. Revenge will destroy your relationship. Ephesians 4, 26, the New Living Translation says this, and don't let sin... And don't sin by letting your, what? Anger, do what? Control you. And don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives to... Would you like to give the devil one of your feet? So that every time you start moving in the right direction, he causes you to fall? In the last service, in the previous service... I, it was a person that came in with, with, with a cast on their leg, on their foot. I said, well, what happened? Well, they said, well, I, I stepped on a rock when I was buying some uh, garden stuff and, and broke my toe. And the other guy said, well, I got a sore on my leg. You, you look at them. Look at me. I look at marriages like that and people that are always giving a foothold to the devil. And they're always struggling. Always struggling. The Bible tells us the devil's going around looking for any place that he can attack. Why give him a foot in your marriage? Why give him a foot in your marriage? Anger controlling you brings separation and separation allows the enemy to bring a foothold of temptation. When, when I was young, anybody here that's 40 and younger, when, when you were young, teenage years, if you wanted to be lustfully Influenced, you know what you did? You went to the 7 Eleven. How many remember you remember the 7 Eleven? You went down the 7 Eleven and one of your buddies got the person behind the counter because behind the counter was the magazine that you want to look at, but they had a brown paper bag in front of them. How many of you remember that? You couldn't even see them. And your buddy would go over there and call the clerk over and go, Hey, could you help me find some now laters? Some Tootsie Rolls, some root barrel, root bear barrels. And while they were over there, your buddy would sneak behind the counter and get one of those magazines, just kind of like, and walk out with it. Do you know now you don't have to pursue evil and lust? It's pursuing you. You just pick up your phone, boom, so-and-so, topless picture today, turn here, click here, click twice. Dude, it pursues you. It pursues you. You don't have to chase it. It's now chasing you. So the enemy is constantly looking for a place to attack your marriage in an of lust. Romance makes all the self-sacrifice worth it. In almost 50 years of counseling, I've never had one couple ever come up to me and go, Pastor, would you just pray for us? Why? We just got too much romance. <laughs> really? Yeah, we just, you know... We've been on a honeymoon for 40 years. We just can't wait to get the kids out the house and have fun. That's never happened. Ever. As a matter of fact, as pastors, you know what our job is? As pastors, our job is to keep people out of bed who aren't married and to get people back in bed who are married. So keep an element of the unexpected. We can getaways. How much does it cost to write a note saying thank you? I read a study uh, about a month ago. The number one, two words that were shared in every healthy relationship wasn't love you, it was thank you. That simply says, I'm not taking you for granted. Thank you for the meal. Thank you for paying the bills. Thank you for working hard. Thank you for taking care of that for me. Thank you for cleaning out the garage. Thank you for beating the child that I knew needed to be beat, but I didn't want to touch him. Thank you for that. It, it's, it, it, are you with me? Yes. Ladies, give your mate something to think about. The enemy's always throwing things at him. You give him something to think about. Call him. Psh, TV dentist tonight. Maybe you have your code. I don't know what your code is. Our code is banana pudding. <laughs> Michelle will go well. Cook a chicken freak. I say go. Baby, I love chicken say, and banana pudding. Look at me. How in the world were you so romantic and rose conscious and no conscious and texts and calls and all of that before you got married, but now you've been married for 20 years and you forgot to be thankful for everything that you chose and pursued and wished that you could have that you now have. (laughs) Keep dating your mate. One survey revealed that half the marriages that end divorce ended out of boredom. Don't isolate. Isolation brings separation and gives the accuser an opportunity. Have you ever gone to bed, man? You've had an argument gone to bed? Come on. What happens? You withdraw. You self-process. You know what happens? You lay there. Some of you are real mannish. I'm not sleeping next to you. I'm just go get on the couch. Before I got that lazy boy. And go, you park yourself on the couch. And as soon as you do, You just gave a foothold. You just gave a a, a TV and a radio call to the enemy. And he starts. Can you believe that? (laughs) Let me tell you something. Before he had you, did you see that girl at his class reunion that he used to date? You look so much better than her. Let me tell you something. You know people tell you you look very good for your age. Can, can, you, can you believe that he's treating you that way? Let me tell you something. There'd be a lot of men in Lafayette that'd love to be married to you. You could tell by the way they look at you. That's what he's telling her. He's telling him. Can you believe that? You bust your tail working night and day. Do you know the women in Acadiana that would love to have the life she has? She's a member of the city club and Reds, both of them. Walks around with Lululemon and other lemons. <laughs> she she goes everywhere she wants to go. Got a credit card, can charge up whatever she wants. Let me tell you something. There's so many women in this school. That that guy she dated in high school, he's a security guard at Walmart. And look what she got in me. Look what I gave her in my double wide and do so. <laughs> It doesn't matter. The enemy will always find a way, but what happens is we open up the door to that. I saw a couple that had been married 60 years in an interview. And the interviewer asked him, he said, have you ever gone to bed angry? And the man said, no. I'm like, oh, I feel horrible. He goes, but one night I did stay up for three weeks. (laughs) That encouraged me. (laughs) The truth is, You'll find out next week, conflict that's resolved correctly creates intimacy. Yes. Conflict, oh, that hurt me. Oh, baby, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Man, I want to give you something that it took me 35 years to articulate. Matter of fact, we're going to pass the offering one more time after I say what I'm about to say. <laughs> Are the ushers ready? Okay, here it is. Look at me. Every argument, okay? I mean, there's stuff when you know you did stuff that's stupid, that you know you now looking back on it, you go, I shouldn't have done that. Like, I'm sorry. Okay, but, but, but the times that it's really hard is when you thought you were doing something that would be a blessing to her, and it wasn't. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Man, don't raise your hand. Just shake your head. I don't want you any more trouble you're already in. Look at me. Here it is. Look right here. And it's not only something that I say, it's something that's true. It should be true for every one of us. After pleasing God, the greatest desire of my life is to please Michelle. Because if it's not to please her, then it's to please me. After pleasing God, the greatest desire of my life is to please her. So, you know what I said? Just tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. That's truly it. Conflict creates intimacy when it's done correctly because you're hurt. You share your heart. And then that greater intimacy is created between you and your relationship. Number three, what if I told you that every one of you could do something that would ensure that there was a 1,000 out of 500 chance that you would get divorced versus a 50% chance. That's what the rates are. 50% of marriages end in divorce. 60% of second. What if I told you there's one thing that you could do that would put you in a different statistic? One out of every 1,500. How many of you don't want to do it? Raise your hand. If it was something I was selling, there'd be people who go, Pastor, I'm buying I'll put it on layaway. Do they still have layaway? I I, want to do that, whatever it is. What is that, Pastor? What can I do to divorce-proof my marriage and go from 50% to one out of every 1,500? Look right here. Pray together every night. Pray together. I I know it. I know what the men here are saying, Pastor. Prayer. I mean, like, look at me, men. We don't want to do anything we're not good at. What I do most, I do best. But people go, Pastor, I'm I'm just, I'm just uncomfortable about that. I I just like be embarrassed. Hey. She's seen your gut. She's seen you naked. She's heard you cuss. She's heard you snore. Look at me. You know what the truth is? We don't want to do what we're not good at. None of us do. Can, Can I share something with you that's kind of embarrassing for me? Uh, when, when, when we sold the house when we lived across the street at Clement, I, I mean, raised without much, I, I always wanted to have a Polaris Ranger to hunt with, a side-by-side, some of you call. So when we sold the house, I found one online, and the guy said, I'm here miss Mississippi, and the first person that gets here with $9,000 gets it so I sent Will Mills Jr. and Christian they jumped in a car, got a trailer and drove all night, showed up at the guy's house first thing in the morning, gave him $9,000 and I've taken care of that since that time, since 2012 and I take care of it very well and so the only problem was is that I didn't have a trailer and I didn't have a truck so So if I wanted to use it, I had to get someone to bring a truck and borrow their trailer to do it. And that was fine until I got a truck. But then I didn't have a trailer, so I was searching Facebook Marketplace about three years ago, and I found a trailer right down the street from here. And I went, it was actually somebody from the church, bought the trailer, it was a brand new trailer. Some of you have been backing up trailers all of your life since you're five or six years old. I was raised in the city. I was terrified of a trailer. Terrified. 62 years old and have never drawn a trailer, driven a trailer. So one of the men in the church that I'm close to told me about that. He goes, Well, Pastor, I'll teach you how to do that. I mean, I am Mexican. A little macho left him. me. go, Oh, I got it. Nah, nah, I'm right. So when Joseph moved back three years ago, I said, Joseph, do you want to drive a trailer? He goes, yeah. So good, come help me. So he would hook up the trailer and, and he would drive it. And that went on until like a year ago. Like I, I had a... Side by side, I had a trailer, but I couldn't hook it up on my truck. And so one day, I called Joseph. I said, "Joe, would you come over and, and hook it up? He said, sure. And he kept, I don't know, took him a while. So I'm like, I'm going to try this. Nobody's going to see me. So I backed up, and Stuart, a miracle happened. I hooked it up. And then I hooked the lights up and down it worked. And I thought, but I've never driven one. Think about this. I had the trailer. <laughs> I had the side by side. I had the truck. But what you don't know how to do, you're afraid to do. So I want to share with you. Why prayer is so powerful? You say, Pastor, it's just words. No, it's not. It's the presence of who you invite in when you pray. Like many of you, we've been blessed that you invited us over to your house to visit or for dinner or for some Christmas party or something. Michelle and I have never walked in anybody's house in the middle of them having an argument. Glad you're here. That moron's in the back room. Well, God bless you and Merry Christmas. <laughs> And then you go get her and you go, yeah, did the idiot send you back? No, this, do you know why that's never happened? Because they would never do that in our presence. When you invite God's presence into the room, it is a hedge. It protects you from things that you would say, things that you would do, things that you're thinking. It's simply his presence. It's not the amount of words. It's not how good it sounds. It's simply you are inviting God into the one thing that's going to determine more of your legacy than anything in your whole life. There are three lies people believe before they get divorced. Three lies, and they're all lies. Number one, the other person will be better off. Number two, God will forgive me. And number three, the kids will get over it. Let me help you. Number one, no one's better after half of your heart is gone. No one. No one. Number two, God will forgive you. He forgives sin, not consequences. And number three, how many of you, your parents are divorced and you've been dealing with it all your adult life? Raise your hand. That's the proof of what I'm talking about. Again, if that happened, it's all under the blood. Thank God it's over. God will help you. I'm speaking to those that are married right now, today. Today. So pray, even if it's simple. Put a little, little Our Father. That's okay. Just, just grab each other. How many of you know in Our Father? How many of you can pray in Our Father? I mean, you can pray in Our Father drunk. A number of you have prayed Our Father's drunk. <laughs> and here's the last one. And finally, stay together. Stay together. Come on up, baby. Stay together. Well, what do I mean when I say stay together? When Michelle and I stood at Grace Presbyterian Church in 1982, on January the 15th, she was wearing size zero and weighed 98 pounds. (laughs) My greatest fear is that Jesus was going to come before my honeymoon. That's a true story. I was so afraid right before the pastor said, I pronounce you man and wife, the trumpet sound. Jesus would take me and I miss my honeymoon. We were so in love, so crazy about each other. You know, we didn't know. We didn't know our children would disappoint us. We didn't know that she'd almost die when she gave birth to Joseph. We didn't know that she would have thyroid cancer and a brain tumor. We didn't know that when one of our children divorced, it would break our heart. We didn't know that we'd lose a child. We'd be disappointed, betrayed, hurt, just like everybody here points in your life. But we made a promise not to each other, but to God that day. And it was this. For richer or for poor, for better or for worse, till death do us part. For richer for poor, for better or for worse, till for richer for poor, for better or for worse, till for richer for poor, for better or for worse, till I want every man here and wife that are here together. I want you to stand up with me right now, and I want you to take your mate by the hand. And I want you to say this out loud with me. And those of you that are married, if your mates not here, you say it. For richer, for poor. For better, for worse. Till death do us part. For richer, for poor. For better, for worse. Till death do us part. That's the promise. That's the promise. Now sit down. I want to tell you the reward. I wear a $300 gold ring that was made by a jeweler in our church in Waco, Texas, where I got married. I scraped all the money I had together and he made this ring. I bought Michelle's ring, it was $700. You have heard me tell the story about her wearing a fake cubic till she got her 25-year service award. Don't feel bad for it. It was a two carat diamond solitaire. We made up for it. Don't bring up thoughts from the devil in the past. A Christian was getting married. He's a pastor in Houston preaching now. And Christian was getting married. We went over to Abron's Jewelers. They've been with us since the beginning of the church. And he said, Daddy, this is where we got Alex's ring. And he said, I, I want to I get a ring. So he said, Would you go with me? So we go over there and he's trying on ring after ring after ring. And finally he looks over and he goes, Daddy, could I see your ring? And I gave him my ring. He said, Where'd you get that? I told him the story I just told you. And he said, Well, you and Mama have been married almost 30 years and it's worked good on you. And he looked at Brian and he said, Could you make a copy of this ring? I said, sure. Eight years later, Joseph was getting married. And he said, Daddy, that ring you've been wearing, you've been wearing for over 30 years. It's worked good for you. Could could I get a copy of that ring? And today though my father was married five times, my mom two times, the man she married after him married seven times, though so my grandfather was a philanderer and ran around, though my great-grandfather in Mexico ran off with Panchabilla. 41 years and 103 days later, for richer or for poorer, Through struggles, through trials, through death, through cancer, through heartbreak, through heartache, through financial struggles. For richer or for poor, for better or for worse, till death alone do us part by the grace of God. Father, today we pray, Michelle and I, for every marriage represented here. Right now in the name of Jesus, This world hates family. The enemy hates family, and that's why he's trying to destroy it, misname it, and even dissolve it. You didn't call a village to raise a family. You called a mama and a daddy to raise a family. Today, we pray for every marriage here that by the grace of God, you would strengthen them and put a divine backbone inside of them to build on the promises of God, to make prayer a part of their life, to make church a part of the foundation of their life so that their children too have an unwavering faith and a place to wander home to when they wander away from. I pray for every marriage here. I pray hedge over them. I plead the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross over every marriage here. And now with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you the most important question of your life. Jesus said, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't see the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't enter into the kingdom of heaven. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? Everything I said is totally true, but it's all predicated on one thing. You must be spiritually alive and have a spiritual foundation and a relationship with a God that loves you so much that he'd rather die than live without you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I believe in God and I believe in Jesus. But I, I don't know if I've ever really surrendered my life to Christ and been born again. Jesus looked at a religious man named Nicodemus and said, unless you're born again, you won't see the kingdom of God. Unless you're born again, you won't enter into the kingdom of God. So today, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I believe in God and I believe in Jesus. I may have been christened or baptized, but I've never prayed to be born again. Today, I want to know God. Today, I want Christ to be the foundation of my life, whether I'm single or married, the foundation of my future. If that's you, if you've never prayed to be born again, I'm going to count the three. And On the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand real quickly and I'm going to pray for you right where you are and then we're going to close. One, God brought you here. God brought you here. Two, nothing in your life has ever been an accident. God's orchestrated it to this moment. And today is your moment to know him and to begin your spiritual journey by being born again and coming to know God. Three, if that's you, lift your hand high. I want to pray for you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Anywhere else? Anywhere else? All right, 18. All right, 19. Put your hands down. Last 10 seconds, pastor. I didn't raise my hand with these 19, but I should have. I need this. I need God in my life. He's not been in my life. I need Jesus in my life. I want to surrender to him and be born again today. I didn't raise my hand, but I should have. Raise it and wave it at me if, if you didn't raise. Okay, 20. Anywhere else? 21. Yes. 22. That church, let's pray out loud with all of those that raise their hand to be born again. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my guilt, my sin, and my shame, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me, so I would not have to go. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn away from sin to be born again. Today. God is my father, Jesus is my savior, and I'm born again in Jesus name. Amen. Would you give all those people a big hand? Stand with me if you would. I'm going to bless you and we're going to sing this song. This song they were singing, God commanded Moses to speak that over the people. That's why services are closed with that. May the Lord bless you and keep you. That's what he told him to do. And that's why we created a song. This is a promise of God for you, your children, and your children's children. That's why we do that. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to bless you next week. Next week, learning to fight God's way. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. And may bless you in your going out and coming in again, and may all that you set your hand to, seeking both God and his kingdom, may prosper and may bless it. And I bless you in the name of the Father, his Son Jesus, and the all abiding Holy Spirit.